This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And the sous chef of the garden, Franklin Proctor. Oh, Franklin. Well, it's a formal day. Well, it is because you are in training, uh, Charlie. <laughs> Just you even are, driving here, yes, I'm I in training. Be, training. I'm, <laughs> I may be the sous chef of the garden, but you are going to give a shout out to someone, but well, you don't know their name. Because I'm still a neophyte at this shout out business. All right. I mean, I know you, you know what, everybody's name. Okay, you, you tell folks what, what's going on. Well, here. I just do want to give a shout out to a gentleman whose name I don't know, but I met him on Springdale Boulevard a couple of nights, nights ago while I was out in my brother's front yard drawing the new garden design in the dirt. Uh, this gentleman walked by walking his dog. So I just want to say hello and definitely give us a call and tell us your name because I'm just such, like well, I said, he, a neophyte at this stuff. And he said he wa- listens to the show. Well, he picked you off by your voice. Yes, he did. Yeah. And that happens in this business. And you as yeah, well, I'm yeah. sure. Well, that's nice. So the gentleman with no name, uh, you <laughs> are name remembered. We don't know. You are remembered by Charlie. <laughs> and thank you for listening to the wow. show. And feel free to call yes. us up. This is the Garden Show, yes. not the Shout Out Show, but it is the Garden <laughs> Show. And I'm going to give you the numbers right now. In Toronto, here's the number to call: four one six three six zero zero seven forty. Then anywhere else in the province, toll free one eight six six seven forty. 4740. Remember our mantra, call early, call often, one question per call. Oh, <laughs> there's a ringer. <laughs> and, oh, speaking of ringer, mm-hmm. mm. uh, please tell Sebastian, who is uh, the voice you will first hear when you call in, if you are a first-time caller, and you'll get that. You'll get your, yeah, your bell you get your and your wings. You got it. Yeah, and, and a big welcome. Yep. So a couple of, of course, announcements. Uh, it is course. that time of year. Right off the top, the Georgetown Hort Society is hosting a plant sale and silent auction May the 8th. So Friday evening from 8, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Gellert Community Center on 8th Line in Georgetown. Of course, as usual with any of these plant sales, a great variety of materials, perennials, annuals, shrubs, trees, hanging baskets, etc. So and outdoor, home and outdoor items for gardeners, bags of soil, mulch and manure to be sold as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. The next day, Saturday, May 9th. All right, just get out your calendar. I hope it's a big one because there's a lot going on on Saturday, May 9th. The Etobicoke Hort Society is hosting their plant sale. That's a rain or shine event from 9 a.m. until noon or until sold out. So go mm-hmm. early. This is at the Plast Hukalak. I've never heard of that. But anyway, the Plast Hukalak Center, which is 516 The Kingsway. That's the southeast corner of Kipling and the Kingsway. And again, uh, big it's all happening outside, so the plant mm-hmm. sale's out in the parking lot. You can't miss what's going on out there if you head on over on the Saturday morning. Great prices. Also, same day, the St. Catharines Horticultural Society is having their annual plant sale. It's at the Bill... Burgoyne Arena. Yes. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? You did. On Linwell Road in St. Kitts. That's from 9 a.m. till 12 noon. Same thing until sold out. Um, what else? One more plant sale on May the 9th. The Scarborough Garden and Hort Society's annual plant sale. 
from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. outdoors at the historic Campbell House Farm. This is part of the Scarborough Village Community Centre at 3600 Kingston Road and Markham Road. Again, large parking lot, can't miss them. One more plant sale for that day. All right. <laughs> this is going to be a get in the car and drive to plant sale starting early in the morning. The Niagara on the Lake Court Society plant sale is happening at the Virgil Arena, Creek Road in Virgil. That's from 9 a.m. until noon. And you know they're going to have great plants there because that's just like, well, whoa. Now, yeah. yeah, Niagara on the Lake, you just think beautiful gardens. Perennials, annuals, heritage tomatoes, shrubs, trees, herbs, all mostly donated by the members. And the bonus, you can get your tools sharpened. One more thing, May the 11th, 8 p.m., the Agent Court Garden Club is holding a regular meeting. The speaker is Peter Keeping. He's a lovely man. He knows everything about clematis, so he, they refer to him as Mr. Clematis. Discover features and facts about that are new to you about some of the new clematis, and don't be shy to buy some because Peter Keeping will bring some. Meeting takes place at the Knox United Christian Educational Center, 2575 Midland Avenue at Shepherd. All righty. There you go. Uh, that'll do it because we have callers all lined up, Charlie. I see that. In fact, the first caller <clears throat> that we'll be going to is calling in from somewhere in Michigan, we do believe. Excellent. So let's do a check on that. Mm -hmm. But first, these messages for all our gardening friends out there on AM740, the garden show, Zoomer Radio. Well, uh, well here we are, back again <laughs> on the air. And gorgeous I was looking out day. the window. A gorgeous day indeed it is. Ride your bike if you can. Don't drive because you won't go anywhere in the city. Well, speaking of going somewhere, let's mm -hmm. take a little trip across the border. I'm pretty sure uh, Corky is on the line. Hello from Michigan. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Morning. Where, where, whereabouts in Michigan are you? Well, Atlanta, from? Michigan. Look on your hand, Lower Peninsula. Okay. We're about an inch down from the tip of your finger and about half inch to the right. <laughs> okay. I know exactly where you're talking about. See? Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. What's going on? Well, I tell you, every year, about this time, these rose chafer beetles hatch out. Mm -hmm. And then they are prolific. Mm -hmm. I went around uh, a couple years ago picking them off, like 300 and some mm -hmm. over that a day. But anyhow, they flock to the white flowers first, oh, yeah. like my white marshmallow mm. or white wild daisies, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> but I want to know... How to keep them off because they eat Everything. all the, the flower petals. They eat the leaves. I know. They They're voracious. Prize iris last year. So, oh. Yeah. oh, I wish I had really some good news for you on this one. There isn't any really good way to prevent this particular insect. It is a huge problem. Uh, some years worse than others. Yeah. So, as you recognize, picking off is very is one of the most effective ways. They they are slow moving. They're cumbersome. Oh, they are. You can walk right up, pick mm -hmm. them up. I just I have like a cat, you know empty cat food or tuna fish can, a mm -hmm. little bit of water, drop of oil, and I walk around. I just pick them off and drop them in the can. They can't get out once that little drop of oil is in the water. Oh, you can smash them. Oh, yeah, you're a squisher. Good for well, you. Well, they're, they're mating, you can get like 100 at one time. I know, it's true. <laughs> <clears throat> they are very, very slow and very distracted. Yeah. Um, now, the other thing, where you live, do you, ha what's, do you have like a schoolyard or a park or a, a ravine or something near you, a big parking lot, something like that? No, I live uh, in the pine trees. <clears throat> oh, well, that could work, too. Yeah, and um, there's... Uh, nothing uh, commercial here. Well, the, re the reason I bring that up is because there are traps, uh, and the traps for this particular beetle, they're usually referred to as a Japanese beetle, so the, the traps oh. have pheromones inside, and they attract the, the beetles into the trap, and they die once they're in there. <clears throat> Excuse me. So 
you don't want to put these traps on your property because then you attract <laughs> more yeah, beetles than you want. But if you're in a position where you could put a couple traps out, you know, quarter of, you know, 100 yards off your property yeah. out in the pine trees. Oh, yeah, I could put them in the back. Then you could potentially attract a whole bunch of Japanese beetles and they wouldn't be in your garden. They'd be in those traps. Well, that's good. If they would go there. They would. They would. They're very attracted to them. Now, you will have to, like, if you order any of these traps, of course, and you can probably even buy them at your local garden center, read the instructions because they may, it may be a situation where you need to replace or or empty. It all started as part of a monitoring program. It was for counting populations. So they're very, very effective. Well, I wonder, too, is there, I know they lay their eggs it's quite sandy soil around here, mm-hmm. and so that's what they like. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if there's something I could put on that soil in the fall to kill those eggs. Well, that's where Frank Why, knows that the would answer. be nematodes. Nematodes? Nematodes, yeah. yes. You actually okay. sprayed them on with the, the hose. Or in and, the watering and, can. Watering oh, okay. can, yeah. Nematode the, eggs. Okay. Minuscule, minuscule well, little devils. Yeah, microscopic. Yep. So very big thing here in Ontario because we, we don't use any of these sprays and toxic chemicals. I don't either. Yeah, to kill things. Now, you're right. The little eggs are laid in about June and they're hatching usually <clears throat> Excuse me, in early August. And where you are, it could even be late July, depending on the summer. Yeah. So um, whether you, you could purchase, if you're having trouble finding the nematodes, to control the grubs, which are going to hatch out of those eggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a company called naturalinsectcontrol.com okay. is the website. All, right. All one word, Natural Insect Control. It's in St. Catharines. They will, <clears throat> excuse me, they do mail order. Oh. So you could order some nematodes from them. Uh-huh. I don't think it's a big deal sending something like that across the border at all. Maybe And not. then follow the instructions. Okay. And that's late July, early August. Sounds good. And that will lower your populations for next year. But we're a little bit behind this year. Usually by this time, yeah. they're out flying around. It's been a long yeah. winter. Yeah. And see, we haven't had my marshmallow or the wild daisies haven't uh, bloomed yet. Bloomed so. yet. Coming soon, though. Corky, are you a first-time caller? Oh, yes, I am. Oh, there's ring, your ring, ring. There you go. Yeah, got to get you the bell. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks you bet. for thank calling. You. Bye-bye. All right, have a great day and a wonderful weekend, too. That was a good call. From Michigan, you betcha. From Michigan, yeah. Now, um, you know, we should take a little bit of a break because that call went a little long, but you know what? What? Let's, let's just take the break now, and then uh, I know Jerry and... Uh, some of the folks are waiting patiently online. But we have to, right off the bat, talk a little bit about Sierra Sill. Which is something that allows us to stay active. You betcha. I take three little pills in the morning. So does Charlie. Yep. And no creaky joints. It's, yep. like, a, it's like a lube job. Don't know how <laughs> yeah. it works, but, but somehow... The, <laughs> You want to put me on the rack. This is what you're trying to tell folks. Uh, get you. It, it somehow pain in the joints disappears yeah. for us. Doesn't work for everybody, and they recognize that. But you will know within 14 days of taking Sierrasil every single day whether it's going to work for you, uh, which is where the phone number comes in. One eight seven seven joint fourteen. They're they're out of Vancouver. Give them a call or check them on the web. Really great people to deal with. Look them up online. Check out some of the reviews. You the testimonials. Really, they're wonderful. Okay. Oh, I'm going to tell you how to spell it. Uh, Sierrasil dot com is spelled S I E. R-R-A-S-I-L. And the sous chef for the garden, Frank Proctor, here along with Charlie. I'll set to have a word with Jerry from Toronto. Hi, Jerry. 
Good morning, folks. Morning. I called you previously, Charlie, mm-hmm. about the uh, corky scab of my cactus, but that's not the reason I'm calling. How is your uh, cactus Can I put doing? my cactus plants on the balcony now for the season? Now? Mm, I don't know for frost-free yet. It yeah. might just be a little too early. But, Jerry, for sure you should plan to put them outside for the summer. You could start taking them out on a day like today, take them out for a couple hours, do not put them in direct sunlight right away, and try and keep them out of the wind. So it's called hardening off, where we introduce our our very protected plants from inside to the big bad world outside. So we do it gently uh, and and carefully. So it's you, no sh- you start in the shade, you start with no wind, and just for a few hours a day, and over the next 10 days to two weeks, slowly a little more sun, uh, a little more of the real world of wind, and eventually with in the next two to three weeks, you can just leave them outside. Great. Thanks, Charlie. Well, You're very welcome. That's great. Thanks okay, thanks call. a lot, Jerry. Uh, cactus, and you have to just attack it very slowly. No, any plant. Yeah. Not just oh, cactus. Not, I mean, oh. you think of cactus as a really tough, Hardy. Yeah, yeah, that's what I uh, super capable of handling extremes, mm-hmm. and they are it, once they're ready to do so. The problem is they, they've been coddled indoors, right? And the, uh, the light levels aren't yep. nearly as intense through the glass, particularly newfangled glass, as it is when you get outside. So that's why uh, you, they will get sunburned, believe it or not. Even a cactus will get sunburned. Well, son of a gun. Yeah, okay. and there's no sunscreen for plants. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Marg in Scarborough, all such a squashed rose bush. Oh, my gosh. Let's find what's going on here. Hi, Marg. <laughs> Hi. Morning. Sally and Frank. Uh, I was out in the yard yesterday, and and I found um, a piece of uh, bamboo that it had been uh, against the fence had fallen over and bent my rose bush right down to the ground, and um, it's a very special rose bush that was given to me by a friend who's ill. Mm-hmm. I want to save it. Mm-hmm. I could see green coming on it, mm-hmm. and I can see green right down at the part that's coming out of the ground. Mm -hmm. I wondered how far I could cut it back or if it's safe to cut it back. I don't know anything about rose bushes. Okay, so this is a great question. Tell me, is this rose bush a climbing rose or is it really a bush? It's a bush. Okay, perfect. And how long have you had it in the garden? Just I just got it last year. Okay. So and it bloomed like crazy. It was beautiful. All right. So now you need to get out your very sharp pruners. Mm-hmm. And today is a perfect day to do this. And this is something everybody should be doing with all their roses today if you can. Okay. So sharp pruners, uh, leather gauntlets, <laughs> leather suit because of the thorns. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you get in there down on your hands and knees. You're going to first of all trim out anything that's dead. So any brown or black or damaged looking canes are trimmed out. Okay. Now with the, the squashed part or the broken part of the rose, it's been bent over and I imagine the canes are actually literally bent in spots. So but where... Not really. They just, it's just well, yeah, I guess. I'm not they might not be broken, but they might, because they're, they're, if they're soft enough, they'll bend without actually breaking. But bottom line is roses love to be trimmed, and this is the time to do it. I take, I take all my roses down to being, except for the climbers, they're no more than about four inches tall. Wow, okay. So trim right back, take out any of the really weak spindly growth, mm-hmm. take out any of the, the growth that's growing to the inside and it's all kind of um, a jumble on the, on the center of the plant. You want your growth to the outside. You want all the, the new growth growing outwards so that there's good air circulation and good sun penetration throughout the summer. And, and is, it, is there a spot 
on the branch that you're supposed to trim? Well, if you look at the canes, they'll be green and shiny, and that tells you it's, an, it's alive. Mm-hmm. And then if you look closely at the green shiny, there are little bumps, which are the nodes, and it's at those little bumps that over right now are turning a little bit red and swelling up. Those are the buds that are going to break out next. So when you trim, you trim to a bud. And preferably a bud, like I said, that's going to grow to the outside of the plant. Okay, so and just above the bud. Just above the bud. And, and ensure that your cuts, your nice, clean, sharp pruners are making nice, clean cuts. And that when you finish cutting, you don't have any flat cuts left behind, meaning flat, like perpendicular to the ground, or I should say parallel to the ground, where rainfall and dew will sit on those open wounds. That's so why cut on an angle. Always on a bit of an angle, yeah. Okay, great. Alrighty, Thank and you so much. fertilize. It's this is the time to not only prune our roses but fertilize. Fertilize. Yep. Okay. All right. Is it a special one? I personally like to use a rose food. It's typically a granular fertilizer, so it's one you just uh, sort of sprinkle on the surface of the soil and gently kind of rough it in around the plant, and over the next month or two, it will become available. Will, yeah. Yeah, it'll just take it down. Take it down. Well, right. thank you so Very good, much. Mark. All right. Thank you Thanks for, for joining call. the show. I appreciate and good luck with that. This is The Garden Show from AM740, Zoomer Radio, as we say hello to Laura in Eris. How are things in Eris, Laura? Beautiful here today. I bet it is. Well, sun's few clouds, but beautiful sun. Has uh, beautiful, beautiful blue sky. Nice. So what's going on in your garden? Um, I have a butterfly bush, mm-hmm. and it's about five to six feet tall, mm-hmm. and I know you said to cut it down in the spring, but I can't remember how much I'm supposed to cut it down. Well, if you look at it right now, do you see any green on it at all? I don't know. I haven't looked okay. yet. Uh, I still have it covered. Oh, really? Like you hill it, I guess, because you're a little I, I, chilly. I, I have a whole bag full of cedar cuttings that I dump right on top of it. Oh, okay. But the, but the, the growth, mm-hmm. the part that's six feet above, yeah. five feet above, it's not covered. No, of course not. But but generally speaking, the best thing to do is to cut our butterfly bushes right down, literally almost to the ground. Oh. So get out there today, get all that covering off, and I think you'll see some little green buds, maybe some tiny little leaves, just starting to grow down at the bottom of that big shrub. And you're going to get out your big loppers, and you're going to lop off all that six feet of above ground growth right down to where you see some green buds. Okay. And it's going to grow right back to six feet tall again. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much. You're welcome, Laura. Okay. Have Thanks. a great day. Thanks for joining us on The Garden Show. Gosh, you've got a busy show going here. Well, yeah. And I'm just thinking about my butterfly bush because that's, I mean, I'm not as far north as Eris, but mine this year, and I never protected in yeah. the winter, has just a tiny bit of green at the base. And, and thanks to our uh, op there, uh, Sebastian, for letting us know or letting me know that Eris is actually just a little bit north of Guelph. Yeah, Thank you, uh, Sebastian. God's Good country. Yeah, exactly. Very pretty, yeah. Yep. Julie and Scarborough are all anxious to talk to you. Hello, Julie. Hello. Morning. Good morning. It's my first time calling. Oh, oh wait whoop. a minute then. Gosh. Hold on to your... <laughs> there we are. Hold on to your hat. You're flying. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, it's regarding my Hoya plant. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a cutting, and then I put it in water, and then when I saw the roots, finally, I put it in the dirt indoors, and now it's pretty amazing. Um, there's no flowers, mm-hmm. but I was just wondering... Uh, do I, I know I was told when it gets warmer to put it outside and then I'll get flowers. 
Hoya will often flower indoors, <clears throat> excuse me, but you need a couple things. One is you need lots and lots of sun. So yeah. if you do want to go outside, that's fine. But when it does, when the plant comes in for the winter, yeah. make sure it's going in a very sunny window. Yeah. Also make sure that the potting soil that you've planted it into is well-drained, preferably even a cactus soil. Oh. Uh, because it, a Hoya will <clears throat> get root rot if it's in a, a soggy soil. Okay. <clears throat> Yeah, I was keeping it quite dry. Good. Because I also, I also noticed on the leaves, uh, not so much now, there was like markings, um, like they were brownish color. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now I'm looking at it, it's quite green. Good. I pinch those leaves off and that's okay if I do yeah, that? Yeah, that's good. And also remember, um, when you water that plant, water thoroughly so that there's good saturation of the soil, but don't ever let the plant sit in water. So, you know, 10 minutes later, dump out what's in the saucer. But don't water again until it's very dry. So it might be every two weeks that you water. It might be every 10 days, depending on the temperature and the size of the pot. It will I- flower, though. Thank you. So if it gets, far, but I could put it outside when it's a little warmer, not right now. Yeah, and, and similar to Jerry we were talking to about taking his cactus outside, same yeah. idea. You can take any plant outside. Hoya would love to be out for the summer and love to be in a sunny spot when you get it out there, but you don't start in the sun. You start in the shade, and it's a gentle introduction to the real world. Okay, I just have one more question we noticed when we're planting. Whoops, you, uh, you, whoop, Julie, whoop. you know, we have, we have a little, Patrolman Proctor here. We have a little rule uh, right off the top of the show. I always say, uh, call early, call often, one question per call. So please call back again, okay? But we can only have one question per caller at a time. Because we've got a lot of people lined yeah. up. Okay? Thanks, Julie. Thanks, thanks Thank for calling you. in. Bye-bye. Yep. Call, call right, right away. That's okay. Uh, sure. The whole year We've had right that now, before, you, actually. Yeah. <laughs> they call right back and you just yeah. talk to them again. Bingo. <laughs> it's fine. Hey, Phil in Smithville, what the heck are you doing out there? What's happening? Oh, I, I just wanted to ask uh, you guys. Uh, I've got to, uh, peonies that are sort of getting choked out and they're coming up kind of spindly. When, mm-hmm. uh, when can you lift those, Charlie? In the fall. In the fall, like after... Uh, when they're when they're still green, I usually yeah. just let them die right down and then trim everything off in the spring. Uh, you know what? So okay, first off, you said they're getting choked out. Who's choking them out, or what? Uh, I planted some garlic in the back of the flower bed, mm-hmm. and uh, over the last few years, it's just kind of got smaller and smaller. I've got others near the house that are coming up, terrific. They've been in there for about twenty years, but these ones seem to be getting stressed or choked out or something. Well, you, when you say planted garlic, uh, is it garlic that you don't harvest? You just leave it in there or do you lift the garlic? Well, this is, uh, some of it, uh, some of it got lifted and, uh, but the rest of it is just kind of run rampant. All right. So your job will be maybe this fall to get into that garden in September, I would say, uh, mm. get out there, get your digging fork, yeah. use a digging fork to get all that garlic out yeah. Um, obviously, cook and eat what's what's big enough and edible, uh, and try and eliminate that kind of patch of wild garlic. Yeah. While you're doing all that digging, lift the peonies at the same time. Yeah. Uh, the they do want full sun. They do want to be planted very near the surface of the soil so that the... the I know I've heard you yeah. say before, you can't go putting much dirt over the top. That's of them. right. If you want them to flower, they're just right almost at the surface. Yeah, and the other ones, they're... 
I, I'm surprised they don't freeze to death. But <laughs> I know. It's funny that they don't. And what I do is after the first frost, when the leaves all turn brown and sort of collapse, I trim out the leaves in the fall Be- oh. because there is a tendency for two things to happen. One is insects and the other is botrytis, which is a fungal disease, can get trapped under the leaves and infect the plant in the spring as it starts to grow because they yeah, do start growing early. Spring too, they go awful slimy when you're cutting them off. Yeah, you don't want that. Yeah. So you want to cut them in the fall when they're still quite dry, and then you never need to touch your peonies in the spring at all. Yeah. Just let them come up. I mean, mine, my peonies now are a good, probably four inches tall now. Oh, my, my other ones are too, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So okay, I think, yeah, the competition with the garlic might be the problem there. So I, if you can, I'd get out there and clean that all up and let those peonies grow. Well, I do have some Roundup. I can soon get rid of the garlic. But Don't. Anyway. Okay, thanks a lot. Yeah, Patrolman well, Proctor will be yeah. up there, you know. Yeah. That's, a, oh. that's against the law. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Phil. <laughs> Joining us on the Cardin Show, a little bit of crime going on here. I know. <laughs> on the public airwaves, Patrolman oh, my goodness. Proctor, i got to get my motorcycle in you gear. You do. Get that oh. uniform out of the, out of the mothballs. Yeah. Well, let's take a little trip now to Brampton. Say hi to Mary. Hi, Mary. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Charlie and Frank, uh, beautiful morning. Good. I have a a hydrangea. Mm -hmm. It hasn't bloomed prolifically in the last two years. What should I do? Feed it? I'm not sure. There's so much information. I know. Depends what kind of hydrangea it is, Mary. Do you know? Uh, Ever-blooming. Oh, okay. So is it called Endless Summer? Thank you. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, blushing, blushing Bride, oh, I think is the name. Oh, okay. And have you got it in a sunny location? As sunny as I can get it, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. You're right. It should bloom prolifically for most of the summer. Mm-hmm. However, they I find, see, these are these new varieties of hydrangea. And when they're blooming, they are absolutely stunning. But they do seem to have on years and off years. Yeah, sure do. What I would do if I were you is I would get out into the garden today with your nice sharp pruners and I would cut that plant back to – if you look at it, it's probably – have you pruned it at all since last – Summer? Well, that's that's different. The last two years, my husband pruned it. I thought too severely. So last fall, I said, don't prune it as much. Okay. So did he prune it at all last? Oh fall? yeah, 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 yeah. He pruned it, but there's no buds yet. It's still too early, I suppose. How tall is the plant roughly? I say at this point, it's about two feet, two, two to three feet tall. Okay. See, I would be inclined to trim it lower than that. Really? Yeah, because it, it's it will bloom on a new growth. It should bloom on new growth. Yeah, I know. It's supposed um, to be both. But you've got to encourage new growth by oh. by that trimming down. And I I think you should be seeing some buds on it now. So I'd be inclined to go out and take about another foot off, get it down to about two feet tall, okay. and fertilize. Okay. What kind of fertilizer? Is it a lime base or just a regular... Not just a general all-purpose fertilizer is all that plant needs. When we think about hydrangeas and, and pH, which is why you're thinking lime, mm-hmm. it's for color. Ah. So you can um, you can modify or adjust the color of the flowers of that hydrangea. I don't care about the flower, the color. I just want flowers. Yeah. Well, our natural soil, you'll have pink flowers. Okay. That, and that's because we're lime-based. But right. if you wanted to get them more mauvey or blue, mm. then you would add a sulfur-based fertilizer. Okay. Or uh, soil acidifier. Okay, so mm-hmm. just cut it down. So fertilize now. Yep, and yep. Cut today, fertilize now. Cross your fingers, tell it it's got a flower. Yeah, okay, granular <laughs> or the water base? 
Either, either. I mean, water-based you have to do pretty consistently at least every three to four weeks. Oh, the wow. granular, typically, you can just do it once and you're good for the oh, summer. Okay. Oh, because it's, it's doing well. It just doesn't want to bloom. I know, and there's nothing worse than a big green hydrangea. Yeah, lovely, isn't it? <laughs> I've had a few of those, <laughs> and they're not in my garden anymore. <laughs> okay, Thanks, Mary. Thanks, Mary. Okay. You know, uh, earlier in the show, of course, uh, right off the top of the show, we have that little mantra, call early, call often, one question per call. Well, remember Julie? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. With the Hoya? Who, yeah. And and she said, I've got another question. I said, ooh, ooh, wait. No, you have to, one question per call. So if you can call again, and wouldn't you know, she's called back, <laughs> and she's next up, as a matter of fact. Uh, we'll have to take a little bit of a break, but hang tight, Julie. We're coming back for your second question of the morning. Perfect. Way to go. Perfect. That's the way to play the game. And the game is the Garden Show here at AM 740. And one of our fine sponsors, of course, is Sierra Sill. I love talking a little bit about the uh, analgesic spray. spray, the Because yeah, you spray. like falling out of pine trees. Well, that's what you smell like. When you <laughs> spray. This is so gorgeous. The smell of it's just lovely. Even if you weren't aching. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you just want to... It's like perfume, right? right? You it's know? kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I wouldn't want to be in an elevator with you know, too many people <laughs> using this stuff. But it really... If you've got too sore muscles... Pine tree. If you've been out, If you've been out working in the garden and you've sore muscles... I think it's camphor. It's got all kinds of really cool yeah. things in it. It's all It's the camphor oils, thing that has Oils the, of oh. rosemary and just... Yep. It's all 100% Lemon natural. Oil. Yeah. yeah. All natural. All natural. And with the addition like of some uh, Sierra Sil. And you can even spray it in your bath, a couple of squirts there, a spritzer, mm. and away you go. You can make like air diffusers of it. Too. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's a thought. Um, yeah, so, there is, so there's two things. Sierra Sil makes a pill, which is something we take every day, and that keeps our joints moving. But then the spray is what we use when we have sore muscles and we've gone and fallen out of pine trees. You can find them at any good health food <laughs> store. You'll find Sierra Sil. S I E R R A S I L. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, for scythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And it was just a few minutes ago that uh, Julie kind of waved bye-bye, uh, hung up the phone, then picked it up immediately, called the number again. Perfect. And here she is on The Garden Show for the second time round. Well, Hi, Julie. Welcome back. Thank you for taking my second call. <laughs> and you I'm can so even... lucky that I got you. <laughs> anyway, the second question was, my husband just planted cannon lily bulbs in the ground and wouldn't you know it, we've never had this problem before. The raccoons just came along the next night or whatever and dug them up. Hmm. Wow. I don't know. With mothballs or what could we do? Uh, so are you sure it's raccoons that dug them Maybe up? Maybe skunks? Oh, no, we definitely know it's raccoons. Okay. We have them. They're around. There's about three of them that come regularly. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I find it a bit unusual for raccoons to dig up canna lily bulbs, but I guess it's possible. I mean, raccoons are, they'll eat anything, as we know, and uh, they love, when they dig, it's usually they're digging for bugs rather than digging for plants. Um, So I'm wondering if there might be some grubs in that particular garden that they're just sniffing and and look going after. So there could be something like that going on. In the meantime, to try and protect them, get them back and get the cannas back in the ground, assuming that they're still there and and viable. If you can get a hold of just a, some uh, chicken wire 
or an old uh, screen and lay that over the surface of the ground uh, just till they get started. And then once the plants start to grow, you can remove, obviously, if it's a screen, if it's chicken wire, you could leave it there. The plant will grow up through and, uh, and it will be safe from marauding diggers. That would be my suggestion. I wouldn't even try the mothballs. All you do is you make your soil toxic, and you put out what looks like a very tasty mint to any small child that happens to walk by. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I'm not a fan of mothballs. Okay, thank you so much for that. Okay, thanks Thanks for joining us. Second time round. (laughs) (laughs) No, you call again anytime. That's that's great. You're welcome. (laughs) Thanks, Julie. Take care of Scarborough Forest. Meantime, uh, we're taking care of Biz here at the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. By the way, if you want to send Charlie an email, here is her email address C. Dobbin, that's D O B B I N, at mzmedia.com. And you might know, too, that Charlie often visits people at their request to take a look at their backyard, front yard, do some landscaping. That's what her job really is. Yeah, I do landscape design and horticultural consulting. And the name of your company is called Garden Solutions. So you can check that out on the web, okay? Mm, Garden Solutions. Very good. All righty. We're going back to our phone lines now. Myrna from Mississauga. That's nice alliteration. Myrna from Mississauga. A merry good morning to you. (laughs) Hi, Myrna. Hi, Myrna. Morning, guys. Um, That's such a nice greeting. Thank you. (laughs) Hi, Charlie. Um, I was talking to you last year about my orchids. You helped me very much, and that's very much thank you. Great. But now one of my orchids is doing something weird. Uh, It started growing a stem. Mm-hmm. For flowers. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, I let it grow for, I don't know, two or three inches, and then I moved it to a table closer by the... It's still getting the same light, but it's a table closer, so when I'm sitting on the sofa, the flowers, I can see them mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. So it's... And then it was falling over a little bit, so I kind of took some of the uh, chips out and mm-hmm. straightened it and packed it back in, and it stopped growing. And it was like that for about maybe three weeks, a month. Then I kept watering it. And then it started growing again. Mm -hmm. And I thought, all right, bonus. And then it got these really fat at the top Mm -hmm. and these two green pointy things, kind of like a devil's Mm -hmm. uh, spikes or something. And then a leaf started growing out of there. That's so funny, yeah. Yeah, so it's put out a little baby. That's a little baby orchid growing You're off the kidding. flower stem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, what do I do with it? Well, if you leave it there long enough, uh, what will happen, those little leaves will get a little bit bigger and some little roots become will become quite obvious. And, of oh. course, in the natural world, you know that falling over you were talking about. Well, in the real world of orchids, that's exactly what would happen is the plant would eventually be tipped over by that new baby plant. The new baby plant would hit the soil surface and it would start to root and it would grow and eventually that stem between them would just rot away. Oh. So I, that's probably what triggered it was that whole idea of it being, like you say, a little bit top-heavy, topsy-turvy and it just said, oh, I don't uh-huh. want a flower. I need to, you know, I need to get right to it and start having babies now. Forget the flowers <laughs> in between. <laughs> so, so do I just leave it then? Well, what I would do is, like I said, definitely leave it until it's quite, uh, it's something you can 
snip off with a sharp little pair of scissors and start a new plant, but leave it till it's big enough to handle so that you've got leaves and you've got a little bit of root action because you want to be very gentle. When you, when you sever the, that stem, you want to be able to sort of hold on to that little baby plant and move yeah. it over into its own pot. Okay. And of course, its own pot will have orchid bark prepared in it and all moistened up and ready to go and you just basically will sit that little baby on the surface and it will send some roots down and stabilize itself. Oh, so you sit it on the surface. You don't you kind don't of put it down it. into the chips. No, no. No, because oh, that's, okay. again, pretend you're Mother Nature, right? Think of how it would work in nature. It wouldn't It wouldn't get planted. It would just land on the surface of a some of a leaf tree. litter and, yeah, that sort of thing. So some fine, you know, you want some chunky bark, but you also want some finer bits of bark. And like I said, make sure they're well moistened before that, that little uh, baby is, is sort of uh, put, before they're put together. Well, I'll be darned. Yeah. I didn't, I've never heard of that before. Well, I know, I'm going to call you the monarch Myrna because <laughs> here you are, the same problem as Prince William and Kate. They've just had a new baby girl. That's so true. So you're just having a little baby there, and you've got to come up with a name, just the same as they <laughs> yes. do. Report back so on report that. Back, report back. My on, baby, I'm, gonna, I'm going to name it uh, Charlie Proctor. <laughs> there you go. Sound? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you were able to help me because I've been asking uh, two or three people that have orchids and they've never had seen anything like this before. And I oh, thought, yeah. I don't know what to do. I better call you first before I cut it off. Oh, do you okay, have, um, I'll leave it. Thank you very much, Charlie. I really appreciate you're it. You're welcome. Myrna, do you have access to the Internet? Do you have a computer? Yes, I do. Yeah, because I just quickly Googled orchid babies and went to images. And there's a great uh, website called, it's www.repotme.com. And if you go to repotme.com and look up orchids, the little babies are called kikis, kikas. That's what a baby orchid, when it grows like that. It's a great photo, and there'll be some good information on this website as well. So that's repotme.com? Yeah, repotme, M-E. Oh, M-E. Yeah, all one one word, repotme.com. So just to see an image of exactly what you're talking about, and there'll be some good information as well. Perfect. You take care of Charlie Proctor. That's right. (laughs) Report back. I will take care of Charlie Proctor, and I'll let you know how I make out. All right. Very good. (laughs) Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Right. We have to take another little bit of a break here at uh, 9.52. Uh, Got just a little bit left in the show and some folks yet to talk to, including a return caller, another one, for gosh sakes. Jerry, hold on. We're coming to you in moments here on The Garden Show. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, with Charlie Dobbin, of course, the star of the show. And yes, indeed. And uh, Jerry, second time round, welcome. How are you? Welcome back. Hi there. (laughs) I guess I should be uh, fertilizing my cactus plants now, eh? Yep. All our plants. The problem is, I have this fertilizer, Mm -hmm. and it says two scoops per 25 liters of water. I don't know anybody who has a (laughs) 25-liter container. Good Lord. (laughs) Or could lift it. (laughs) Yeah. You see, now these scoops, did you get an idea how big the scoop is? It would take about four scoops of this fertilizer Mm -hmm. to fill a teaspoon. Oh, wow. So Where'd you get this fertilizer? 25 liters, that means I have to put a couple of grains yeah, yeah. fertilizer uh, in the water. Okay, so tell me, where did you get this fertilizer? I got it at uh, 
at a garden store downtown. Okay. And at it's, a garden, it's, a flower, it's a florist. Yeah, and it says cactus food on it or something it says like all that. All purpose plant food. Okay. And is it like a 2020 20 or? It is 2030 20. Okay, so that's fine. So, yeah, you're going to have to just. A regular outdoor watering can, you know, those kind of big green watering cans, those are eight liters. Yeah, I've, I've got one of those. Right. So that, so that if you can. Take a third of two scoops. <laughs> so take two scoops, put, put it into a teaspoon or see, uh, see how much that is. Like a teaspoon is five mils. Um, or, or just, you know, I eyeball these things all the time. Like uh, take a half a scoop and be done with it, you know, and put it into that big watering can and mix it around and, and you're good to go. That's it? That's it. Yeah, and and you won't use it all probably right away. So hold that watering can with that fertilizer until you've got you know you've finished the watering can. Whether it's you, you have several cactus, I believe. I got about four cactus. Yeah. Yeah. So you might use half the watering can the first time, and next time it's time to water in three weeks or whatever. You'll finish the watering can, and they'll have had a thorough fertilizing. Oh, so there'd be no harm in that. No. No. Oh. Okay, thanks a lot. Problem solved, Jerry. There you (laughs) go. Have a great week, too, and we'll maybe talk to you next week. Uh, But before we have to leave, you have a little note about High Park. Well, I do. I'm so sad I'm not going to be able to join you for breakfast. I know. Because it's... The, right now, High Park has got the Cherry Blossom Watch happening. Mm-hmm. Last week, we discovered the Cherry Blossom Walk, and uh, in that process, I realized this is a very big deal. I mean, I'm so such a neophyte at, at High Park, I didn't know. But yeah, it's quite a big deal. And the, the cherry blossoms are fattening up as we speak. The idea of going to look and view Cherry blossoms is an ancient, ancient, centuries-old Japanese tradition called Sakura Hanami, and it's the idea of just going and viewing the cherry blossoms. That's and, roughly translated. Yeah, it says here's yeah. cherry blossom flower viewing. And there's, there's a very nice story about how all those cherry trees ended up in High Park. It's all on their website. And plus, we read a plaque when we yep, were in the park right. last week. And the buds are really plump this year, they, aren't they? Well, they're yeah. plumper than they were last year at this time. Yeah. So we're a little ahead of last year, which is a good thing. Uh, but there's the, the website is good because they're showing like daily updates of photographs, of tracking and predicting peak bloom. I don't think it certainly won't be today. And they only last about a week, too. That's right. Yeah. And I bet you peak bloom is going to be next weekend, just in time yep. for Mother's Day. So, oh. you know, weather permitting, it's going to be just, that's going to be the place to be. Absolutely great. I just wanted to mention that because I, I'm i not going to see it today, but I'm certainly planning to see it next week. Very good. I do believe we do have time to get one more caller in, and there's Neil in Toronto. Hello. He's fast. Hi, Neil. <laughs> How are you both? Good. Excellent. Good. All right. So we talked about six months ago. I've got uh, boxwoods in the backyard. Mm-hmm that are meant to be uh, sort of an obstacle between my dogs and the neighbor dogs to keep them from being fascinated with each other. Oh, my. So okay. I, so I put them in there last April, and everything's fine, and I spaced them like they told me when I bought them at the garden center at Lowe's. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they said, put them about uh, two and a half feet apart. So mm-hmm. I did that. Mm-hmm. Here we are a year later, and I don't see these things. It, it doesn't look to me like there's any way they're going to fill in the space in between them. So... Well, in about I, 10 am I, years. Am I safe to just plonk another one in the middle of them, dig straight down right in between, and plonk another one straight down? Or do I need to be more careful than that? Actually, you probably are safe to do that if you do that now, early in the season, because there, there won't have been huge root growth from last year. But they will, okay. they will eventually make a hedge, but it is going to take a number of years. So, yeah, get some small ones. Make sure the leaves are identical because there's many varieties of boxwood. So take okay, a little I piece. Make, 
I always ask you two for advice on this stuff because I'm not the, the sharpest hoe in the shed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think you are. <laughs> you rascal. <laughs> you know what? We're fresh out of time, Neil. I'm sorry. But try try the uh, suggestions offered up by uh, Charlie to not the sharpest hoe in the shed. I can't believe that. <laughs> I can't good. believe I said that again. All right. Well. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. And thank you, Franklin, as usual. So uh, you're busy off uh, to breakfast and then back doing another yes, show? Yes, I shall return. Sebastian is going to be working really hard today. Oh, oh, okay. oh yeah. I like that giggle. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thank you, Franklin, as always, being such a good sous chef. And thank you, Sebastian. You've done a fine job producing the show from your side of the gurney there. And thanks to all our great callers from all over the world. You Keep them coming. See you all again next week. The Garden Show is brought to you by The Urban Nature Store. Everything for folks who love wild birds. Six GTA locations, including Woodbridge, Mississauga, and Oshawa. Visit urbannaturestore.ca. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.